Hello, and welcome back to the Legends Podcast with me, Sarah Faruya of SF Creative and Sarah Faruya Coaching, where I am rising like a phoenix from the ashes after a one-year break to season seven, where our theme is legends of reinvention, stories of renaissance, and the phoenix rising from the fire. I believe there are many ways to lead a life and everybody has stories. So let's get into these creative musings from Sarah and her guests. Enjoy. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Legends podcast, Creative Musings with me, Sarah Faruya. And this is where I get to tell my stories. I believe that everybody has stories and there are many ways to lead a life and I've been taking a great deal of delight and creative energy from telling my stories on this um on this season of the podcast and it's all about reinvention and the phoenix from the flames and renaissance and I'm going to talk about a reinvention today that I have been going through for some years now and so I welcome you to the Menastorm. The Menastorm is the apex where a late stage ADHD diagnosis plus the menopause and sobriety meet and the storm that happened to me in the center of all of this. I coined this phrase earlier in the year because what's been happening for me during this time, during my, I guess you'd call it perimenopause, but for sake of ease, I'm just going to say menopause, has not been fun at all. It's been a rupturing, violent, bloody experience that has left me in, in a storm, but that I've landed now. And the reason I am releasing this today is that as we speak, if this is release date in December 2023, I am literally right now having a hysterectomy. I am having my uterus removed. I am delivering my own womb. <laughs> the only thing I will ever have given birth to, and the irony of that is not lost on me. And I would like to share with you the story of how I got here, as I would tell it today. And then I can reflect on it next year. It's as much to make a record for me, but I also want to tell a story that's kind of taboo. And I want to tell it in full, disgusting, glorious Technicolor. And I want to sit at the campfire with you and be the person who holds that part of this, the stories of the people who have menopause in this way. Every single menopause is different. I have, since I started talking about this in the groups that I end up being in and the the, the women I end up being with, or the men, Um. I've heard of many different ways that people experience this and people have been incredibly generous for the most part with their um, sharing, with their experiences, with their self-awareness, with their awareness of others. And I, I'm so grateful to all those people, but also picking all these stories up and sitting in these circles and sitting in these kind of sacred communions in these yeah I want to call it sacred in these sacred spaces it could just be having um a dinner at La Boheme it could just be uh catching up over coffee and you throw out something to somebody and they pick it up 
and they run with it and they hold you in that space and they listen to you. It could be Starbucks Rapongi, could be anything. And we start to tell these stories and I'm calling this the menace storm, a violent rupturing experience, a violent rupturing and bloody experience. And this is my story and my experience of how this has gone over the last, I want to say six years. Um, perimenopause can go on for a lot longer than that. I'm not going to touch too much on the science of this today. Um, this is storytelling. It's not education. So I haven't rifled through peer-reviewed studies or or gone to the articles where I've read some of the anecdotes that I will I will say about today. Um, because that's not what this is. This is storytelling. This is reinvention. This is the many ways to lead a life and the many ways to have menopause. Um, other people have uh, have different kinds of menopauses. Some people have menopauses where they're just fine. They just slide into stopping their periods, stopping their menstrual cycle, and they have absolutely no problems whatsoever. Some people have like hot flushes and the symptoms and some, you know, ups and downs and some mood swings and brain fog, which can be cared for with HRT and so on. And then some people like myself have, um, and this is very broad strokes, have an absolute shit show. <laughs> but I'm now from this place where I'm on some good hormones. Um, I'm on iron tablets to address some of the problems that came from the physical symptoms. I'm very happy to be going I'm treating this whole thing of a sacred rite of passage because that's the story that I want to tell I have a biology background a human biology background so I know of the ups and downs and the kind of science side of things I understand the psychology of of what happens to women of this age it's very specific and if you know anybody of this age uh, a woman or a person who has um uh, female hormones coursing through their body, then yeah, you know, things are happening for us. Things are happening to us. Things are happening at us. Things are happening inside us. And I wanted to talk about that today. So I'm breaking this down into three menace storm phases. The first one is, oh, it's starting. Something's happening. And people, guides, elders, crones, maggots start to appear and start to tell me stories of what's happening to me. Then I will talk about the descent for me into some serious depression, uh, the mental descent that happened as a, as, a, as a result of this, these three things playing into each other. And then I will talk about the physical symptoms that I was having, which have resulted in me deciding to have a hysterectomy today, the day of release. <laughs> so it's largely an elective hysterectomy. Obviously, there have been my gynecologist involved and consultant and surgeons and et cetera, et cetera, to confirm that that's what I've needed. But this last year, since being sober, I've taken very, very serious control of my physical health life. And it's proven to be a really remarkable thing that's helped that helps me to reflect back on 
who I am, what's been happening. But also there's a part of me that always wants to kind of advocate with these stories for other people who might be going through the same thing. Now, in Tokyo, there are a lot of women of the similar age to me who may be uh, putting workshops out to say how to have a, a graceful menopause. That was never going to happen for me. Fine, if that's if that's your gig and if that's what you need to do, then then fine. I want to hold the other end of that where it's more like a bloody hell and you you literally can't function in the world. And I have read, there was an article in The Guardian that a lot of women of my age do tend to drop out of the workforce. Um, I do not want to set up the expectation that anybody needs to behave with grace or elegance while they are going through such a rupturing and violent time. I just don't. I don't want to set that expectation up for anybody who comes across my coaching room or my life or my storytelling life. I am here for the down and dirty real stories. And so with that in mind, I want to just give you a quick content warning today. So of course, first of all, I'm talking about hysterectomy. So that may be upsetting for people who maybe have uh, fertility issues or who have had unelected hysterectomies or who have had their uh, uterus removed without permission or any anything like that. Um, I want to make sure that you're well taken care of. So I would suggest you don't listen on if you feel terrible about that. I also want to caution people who tend to think that there's something called too much information, TMI. And if you ever think, oh, why is she saying all this? You sh she shouldn't be saying all this. She's gone too far. She's too much. She's too indulgent. She's too this, that, and the other. Um, or, you you know, you, you value greatly resilience or... Um, uh, but resilience in terms of not the kind of resilience that I'm going to talk about where I've been through a, a, a dreadful few years and um, have broken on many occasions, but I'm still here. <laughs> I, I'm talking about the kind of resilience where you don't show anything. You just sh push your feelings down. You have all these very, very rigid ideas about what's allowed in the world and what isn't. Um, this oh please listen on you do you that's completely fine by me if that's how you keep your kind of social mental psychological and physical world together dozo be my guest um, but that's not what this is I want to tell stories I want to tell them I, I would write them down but I just don't have the kind of um, right now my capacity doesn't allow me to sit down and write for long long periods of time it's just the way I am so I'm talking these stories into being and this has been one that I've been wanting to talk about for a long time I actually have a private Instagram account where I post uh, things about this it's completely private only me because I wanted to have a place where I could be totally expressive completely expressive without any um thinking about who's reading it or what if a client comes across it and thinks, whoa, this woman's a bit honest, we're not going to hire her <laughs> because we want to completely ignore the fact that people in our organizations are probably having the same experience as her. <laughs> oh, dear God. I sound terribly bitter, don't I? I'm not. I'm just um, I'm holding an end. I'm holding an edge. I'm holding an edge. OK. Mm. 
you will get sanitized version of this. You will get the hashtag. This is the most vulnerable post I've ever put out there. And this is quite vulnerable. And the other thing I will talk about today is mental health and really deep, dark mental health. I will be talking about suicidal ideation. So again, if this is something that hurts you or feels really awful to you, or if you've lost somebody to suicide, first of all, I am so sorry. And secondly, please um, jog on because um, I, I it might not be the right day for you to listen to this, but I'm going to say it in a really upbeat way and in a straightforward kind of reporting way. The reason I can do this right now is because I am on some good hormones that have stopped my uh, periods altogether until I'm able to have surgery. It's not HRT, it's something else. It's a gonadotropin hormone and it just completely shuts down the um, cycle. And I've also been on iron tablets and I've had intravenous iron because I was so, so tired and so exhausted because I was severely anemic due to um, the due to some of the physical symptoms that I've been having over the last few years. So that's where we're at. This is Menastorm. I'm having a hysterectomy today, the day of release. I elected to do it. I'm thrilled about it. Of course, I'm apprehensive about the soreness and the pain and the recovery and, um, you know, all that good stuff. But I know I'm in safe hands in the hospital I've elected to go to in Tokyo. They deal with a lot of uh, non-Japanese women there. They deliver a lot of babies there. So I'm really, um, you know, this time next week, I will be in my recovery day and as I record this. And I am really happy about it. And I wanted to record this podcast, this particular conversation from a place of happiness and from a place of um, wellness and from a place of um, feeling physically and mentally resilient and robust and and well so that it didn't veer off into something I didn't want it to be this is storytelling this is artful this is um this is the 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 woman who lives on the edge of the village telling the stories that she shouldn't tell um and but people still go to her because they know that she holds some special information and some special courage that allows her to be the one who crosses the taboos um, I can only cross my fingers that they won't come with tiki torches and um, pull me out and burn me alive. So, oh my God. All right, where does this stuff come from? Anyway, it's storytelling, so let's get into it. So first of all, the descent into this, the entry point into what I started to realize was my menopause. Picture this. It's... 2017 and Susie Izzard, formerly Eddie Izzard, or both Eddie and Susie, I think he uses, is playing a incredible gig. I think more or less every British person in Tokyo was at this gig. And a friend is there. She's five to 10 years older than me, an elder. And she comes up to me and we have a chat at the end of the, uh, the, end of the set. And I said to her, how are you doing? And she said, how are you doing? And she said, you know, oh, you know, 
you were great at few when you were the president and all this kind of stuff. I'm saying that honestly, because I really like listening to myself, receiving compliments from other people through the ether and the storytelling. I love a compliment, don't you? <laughs> Anywho. Um, so yeah, she was talking about few for empowering women, the professional networking organization where I was on the board of directors and, you know, I just picked up that thread as you do and, and batted back the small talk and said, oh yeah, I haven't been for ages in fact. And then, you know, just joking, thought I was a comedian. I'd been at Susie Izzard's gig. Um, I said, yeah, I don't really leave the house anymore. And I saw her face change. The emotional field switched between us. It got a bit mystical. I could see tiny stars flickering back and forth between us. And uh, she goes, oh, you don't leave the house? Like, yeah, that's right. Don't really leave the house anymore. And I thought, oh, this is a bit serious. She goes, come here. She pulled me to one side. She goes, how old are you, Sarah? So I was 40, 45, I think, at the time. 45. She says, hmm. And she started downloading all this stuff about the menopause what a woman what a soothsayer what a witch she just started telling me you need to start looking after yourself if you're not leaving the house um i highly recommend this hrt cream i highly recommend getting yourself uh medicated i highly recommend these things and i was a bit like whoa because it hadn't kind of occurred to me that i would be entering that phase yet i didn't really know about perimenopause at the time and all that good stuff i knew about menopause obviously but you know we used to call it the change and you know women get a bit sad or what have you and then your periods stop and i knew that it could be quite difficult but it's interesting, isn't it? So that was my initiation, I suppose. Um, and again, it's a taboo subject, right? Nobody wants to listen to it or the majority of people don't want to listen to it or the way society is structured. We've been told we should completely separate work from home. And a lot of the places where we get information or have like, you know, water cooler chats or whatever it is, is where information comes from. And if you do start talking really frankly and openly about this, you may be ousted in your company. You may be, um, you know, labeled again too much. I've never had that label <laughs> too much, too weird, a weirdo, TMI, um, over the top, all this kind of stuff. So these things don't really happen there. Or maybe there's some place out there where, yeah, people are talking about the menopause or how to have a better menopause or stop eating sugar or stop doing this or go out for a walk, make sure you're getting sunlight. These are all brilliant, brilliant things. But at the the level that some people experience menopause, I, I'm not convinced that all of that is going to happen, uh, is going to be helpful. It may be helpful on the surface level, but if you can't even leave the house, uh, we'll talk about this later how you're going to do that or if you feel completely insane how you're supposed to be elegant how you're supposed to be graceful and why should we be putting that much pressure on ourselves and other people because if we do that ourselves and we reward ourselves for that of course we're going to judge other people for not being able to do it or not doing it and that's why my tagline is there are many ways to lead a life because it's good to allow people to, especially people who are really struggling, 
to have their human experience and to understand that's not just their experience. It's all of our experiences, the same as grief. Grief is owned by the grief is owned by the community. Grief is owned by the society. Grief is owned by um, the collective. We all are owned by each other, right? We all own this stuff. If we choose to ignore it or paper over it because that's the way that we've chosen to do things or that's the thing that's come easy to us, it may just be a matter of preference. Then we are seriously um, damaging the collective in some way or other, but we have to keep the collective robust as well. As a coach, I understand this. Like, I wouldn't suggest to anybody to suddenly start going out there and telling all their stories because the people who judge and may gossip about you or um, have some influence over your career future or your bonus or your promotion or your um, uh, how they talk about you in other rooms, you need to manage that in society. And I would love to just hold this tiny pocket. And if it just expands a little bit more where we can be a fucking mess and still be allowed to be part of things, still people still understand that our skills and experience and expertise are still intact. And by, I mean, me, you, anybody, but that this, whether you decide, whether you decide to acknowledge it or not, if you have women between 45 and 60 around you, this is in the ether if somebody seems to go off the rails or loses interest in their work it may not just be because of x y and z it may be because something's happening to them and i hope to tell these stories to i'm happy to take this role on this last year for me has been about throwing off a lot of roles de-rolling a lot and so as i enter into this sacred and i am treating it as a sacred initiation from the fertile years into the non-fertile years as i make that transition i am happily and joyfully and artfully taking on this storytelling role of taboo stories that other people don't want to touch or they want to take it and sanitize it and make it nice and and packageable and straighten its hair and lighten its skin and make sure that it's nice and um and and digestible for the vast majority of people and that plate and there's people already who are holding that part of the bell curve come with me up the other end and I will happily tell you why today as we speak I am having my womb removed well actually it's next week from here but as this is released okay so this woman came up to me at the Susie Izzard concert and started to tell me about this. And I see this as my sacred initiation into understanding more about what's happening. But it was like a flash at that time. I recognized that she'd seen me, really seen me. And she had the wherewithal. She had the courage. She had the balls. She had the ovaries. She had the she she had the cheek and the boldness to come up to me and say that to me and initiate me. She initiated me into knowing what was coming next, but I didn't know what was coming next. I kind of forgot it, but I kind of didn't. I recognized her as a guide. 
So fast forward to 2018 and I started feeling a bit more emotionally uh, off the rails. Interestingly, my cycle was fine. Um, I've always been a bit emotionally spiky. I think that's what gives me my spice and um, and my my artfulness, if you like. It's what gives me my creativity, which is kind of a little bit flatlined at the moment. But this is where I this is where I express that, and this is where I am brave. Anywho, um, so 2018, I went on a retreat in your uh, not Yokohama, sorry, uh, Kamakura before I lived down here. And I can remember just feeling, I was, I felt embarrassed and I lacked confidence and my self-esteem was in the toilet in, beyond normal levels. And I can remember just crying and crying and crying at this retreat and being given a lot of support. And, you know, it's quite embarrassing when that happens as well. But I think I'd started to unmask at that point. I didn't really have words. I already knew, and Laura, my assistant, can tell you this. I already knew that I used her way too much. I already knew that I used her more than a normal non-ADHD person would. And this is all part of the menace storm, right? So I'm unmasking there. I know something's off. I know that I find it really difficult to just get on with things. I'm still built a thriving business from this point, but it's very difficult for me to do um, mundane tasks unless I'm in hyper-focus. It's really difficult for me to just follow a schedule one by one by one. So Laura and I, and I have developed a very specific way of working together where she knows what to do. And, you know, a couple of years later, I was really, really able to with, uh, you know, with Kate Kamoshita, she came on board as one of my coaching clients, but we did a lot of exchange and I started to really understand, oh my God, I have ADHD. This is so like every single, like not every single checkbox, I'd say like 90% of the checkboxes for ADHD, I was able to check. And, um, it's it's amazing for everything from being a gifted child who was praised and you know it was thought that I had some kind of god given gift, um, which I didn't. I was just ADHD, so it meant that I was fast and furious and clever and you know moved fast. But actually, you burn out at some point, and there's a point at which you can't continue. Anywho, I keep going off. I keep going off topic. I wish I could stay on topic, but that's ADHD for you. So I'm going to just keep trying to bring myself back. I've got a really detailed list of points to hit here, but I keep coming. But this is menostorm as well, right? So as my hormones were going out of balance, the ADHD was coming up even more and more and more and more. A lot of people with ADHD self-medicate, so they drink a lot. That was me. You can listen to episode one of this uh, season where I talk about very frankly, again, about uh, how much I was drinking and uh, starting sobriety in October 2022. So then 2019, I started feeling depressed. And I actually remember saying to a couple of people, I feel depressed, but I chose legendary as my word of the year. <laughs> and with that in mind, I agreed to go to Los Angeles with one of my really good friends, Aya, Aya Jean. She's a style coach. And we went, we stayed with, we, first of all, we went to this like five day uh, bonanza kind of event run by one of these kind of like spiritual fitness companies. And I saw people like 
Marianne Williamson talking and Lisa Nichols and Jay Shetty and um and th there were film stars there and 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 musicians and all this kind of stuff and that was you know it was really interesting and then we went and stayed with her friend who is an actor and her artist husband that was amazing too but I just didn't feel right I didn't I, I didn't I could tell that I wasn't right I was not right I wasn't right I wasn't my usual kind of effervescent self I wasn't, although now I'm understanding that that's not necessarily usual. That could have been me masking anyway. But there is still a lot of that inside me as well. And I can just remember thinking, I don't know what to do and feeling very self-conscious. And I was okay. And then we went and stayed at her kind of celebrity interior designer friend's house as well in Calabasas. And then I came back from that and I booked a, a, a retreat to Bali because I was like, let's be legendary. Let's go from LA to Bali. So then I went on retreat in Bali. And again, this retreat just kind of cracked me a bit. Um, I had some kind of like past life reading, which I thought I didn't. I, it was a very nice lady. She was very nice, but I thought that was a bit bollocks. But the rest of the retreat was absolutely lovely. And again, I just ended up being so like really, you know, shoulders shaking, kind of crying. That happened to me last week as well in another group. And it's like, I think that's unmasking or some, again, some kind of initiation, but I would put this down to my hormones were going out of balance. Um, I was in the, in the menopause, in, in the perimenopause, in the eye of the menace storm. Um, and, and the kind of relief that I would, had been feeling from drinking before was not happening anymore. It just wasn't happening anymore. It was more of a, hindrance than a hell 2019 that was and I do remember saying to a couple of people I think I'm depressed I, th I think I'm depressed um business was booming I can still coach because I still have all those skills and I'm a professional so I can show up uh, and so on but things weren't right relationships were I'd already previous to that started to kind of blow up a little bit a few and so yeah it was getting weird 2019 the end of 2019 we moved house up here and so that was lovely as well but then 2020 of course we kind of descended into the pandemic and during that time I decided that I was going to be like a really super strong person for my clients who I put into my A team and I was going to look after them really well there were there was a mixed bag of things happening for them either their businesses were were dying fast and rapidly because of the um, pandemic or they were growing and thriving and both of those things uh, came with a lot of shame and taboo because if your business is thriving who can you talk to about that and if your business is dying it just feels so shameful even though there's nothing you can do about it so that was really hard and then yeah 2020 I think I started having physical symptoms but again it was just hard and my ADHD was really going, popping off, but I was having my kind of best business years, those years. 2021, I started feeling a bit twitchy, like I didn't really want to run things the same as I, I did and wanted to. Um, but I decided to start a mini mastermind with people from like I had quite a large group of women who were going through a one year program with me, but I was really craving to work very closely with a smaller group and so I started that up it was called the dream weavers and set up a retreat in the summer here and that retreat 
by that point, uh, I think my mum had been in hospital with COVID over the Christmas period, 2020 to 2021, Christmas, New Year period. She'd got one of the really bad COVIDs and people were dying all around her. They had 11 wards open for COVID and she was so upset. And we thought, you know, it wasn't guaranteed that she would survive that. I had one month left on my passport and it just sent my nervous system into a total tailspin, um, <clears throat> which can't have been helped by all the other stuff that was going on, which can't have been helped by the menopause symptoms too. And, um, but I, you know, I kept a good face on, I kept coaching through it because I can switch the switch into coaching mode really easily. I can switch my professional switch very, very easily, which is important. As I said at the beginning of this, you do need to be able to switch your professional switch, but also it's good to be able to open space for people who are having a hard time. Okay. Oh, coffee. So then um, I organized a retreat for this small group down here in Zushi where I live, rented a house and stuff. And what happened was I couldn't do it. When it came to the retreat day, I was so burned out. I could not face the idea of sitting in intense communion with and leading this group of women and holding the space for them for two days. I could not handle it. I had a complete breakdown. Um, I think I probably did have a bit of a mini breakdown, actually. I think that's what happened there. I think I had a little breakdown. Um, and yeah, I think so. And I was, I was in bed for two full days afterwards because I was just so exhausted in my bones, emotionally holding space for people, holding space. My husband had quit his job. I was trying to earn for two people. I was, um, because that's what you do, right? That's what families do. And I was just so, I was ragged, absolutely ragged and straight, straight into a hole of overwhelm. I wasn't able to go home, same as everybody else, but let's just, you know, tell the story. And just because it's happening collectively doesn't mean that you don't feel it, right? You just don't feel it. And so that, and so I got myself into therapy at that point. And when I was in therapy, uh, I was talking to her and she said something about imposter syndrome, which really annoyed me because I really don't want imposter syndrome, but ta-da, imposter syndrome is one of the things that starts happening to women in their menopause especially I mean imposter syndrome happens to women at all stages in their lives because we are imposters in the business world and in the polit political world frankly you know it's only been 100 years since we've even been allowed to vote so you know 1974 that my mum was able to sign her checks she had two kids and had already been promoted in her work and she couldn't sign her own goddamn checks unbelievable so you know we're only in the early stages really of women being more included in things however Against this context, there is an increase in general in the female population of imposter syndrome at menopause time. So, <laughs> and I'd taken on another board position in addition to the one at Refugee Empowerment International. So if you think about all this stuff happening at once, I've joined this board as well. I've got imposter syndrome. It's just, it's popping off and I and it just came to a head 
during that retreat, I was like, I can't do it. I just cannot do it. So my husband had to get on the bike, take all the stuff around. I'd, I'd of course, uh, you know, blow by blow planned it out. So they were able to run it themselves. And I want to say thank you to each of those women who were on that retreat because they all let me be me. Like they all, they all came back the next year uh for coaching they remain my the ones the one who didn't remains a, a good friend and a good uh you know collaborator and they let me be that human they didn't pop off and go well good god how unprofessional which it was frankly speaking that is the very you know the very definition of unprofessional is not turning up because you're not together enough but i could not do it i could not do it I couldn't I just had to apologize. And then I had a conversation with them one week later, say, ask me anything. Uh, I'm I'm not well kind of thing. And explained everything I could to them in as much detail as I possibly could. And they were brilliant. So thank you to you for allowing me to be that human, that full on. Um, and then sobriety in 2022 things started getting really full on and so I added sobriety into the mix so not only in 2021 was uh with Kate Kamoshita the ADHD expert in Tokyo not only <laughs> did I realize oh I've got ADHD and the menopause is starting to kind of beat me around the head um I decided to stop drinking as well which removed the self-medication for the ADHD and relieving the symptoms of menopause. Brilliant. But um, you can listen to episode one about that. I couldn't, it was unsustainable. Me drinking was unsustainable and uncontrolled. So um, yeah, so I added sobriety into the mix. So let me kind of move over into the symptoms that I was having that led me to this year. Also after sobriety, the real symptoms that were happening that weren't down to hangover or just having a, a low functioning liver um, started to come through. So, for example, I got a arthritis diagnosis because my that some really strong pain started coming through that I'd just put down to being a drinker before. And also my menopause symptoms started coming to the fore with a fer ferocity and a violence that I was uh, I thought was unmanageable. So. Let's move on. I'm going to now talk about the um, psychological, mental health aspects of this menostorm. Um, again, let, I was I've always been quite emotionally spiky, so I'm unsurprised that I have had a really hard time with this. Um, I'm really unsurprised about that. And after I stopped drinking as well, I wasn't able to kind of hold it together as well um, socially and stuff. So a couple of relationships have gone by the wayside. Um, I feel a lot of love towards some of the people still, but I just don't, I don't, I can't have people in my life out of integrity. Just that's not what I want. So <clears throat> That's and and that was an interesting one as well because you close doors sometimes when you remove relationships you close doors but in the eye of the menace storm <laughs> I I couldn't maintain it I didn't have drink to kind of make me go oh it doesn't matter I didn't have my you know 
ADHD unmasking means that you're not nice anymore. And with the symptoms of the menopause, the energy is just not there. You have to stay in integrity or, or else it's it, it, you will burn out as I already did. That's what happened to me. I burned out. So <clears throat> about a year, maybe a year and a bit ago, not long after I had stopped drinking, I started having um, suicidal ideation. Now, I want to be really clear here for anybody who's listening to this and who's surprised by that or is upset by that. It's very specific. <clears throat> and also, I've had this kind of thing before when I've been very uh, in, in a bad place. And again, maybe I had PMDD, which is premenstrual something, something. It's when you're, oh God, I can't remember, PMDD, doesn't matter. It's, it, it's, it's often a comorbidity with ADHD, and it is a state of affairs where your premenstrual syndrome or your uh, that premenstrual mood mood change is um is is it's depression it's terrible it can have physical and mental impact on people and it is a comorbidity with um ADHD as well very often so i'm wondering if that was in there as well but uh let's see I know you're probably thinking, oh, she's labeling herself a lot, but labeling herself a lot and all this kind of stuff. But I think it's really important to understand ourselves, to understand one's privilege, to understand one's um, difficulties, to understand where other people have privilege and difficulties. Because if you're trying to make somebody who has no problems understand you, no, who has had plain sailing kind of uh, no symptoms in these areas, force them to try and understand you that's probably not going to be a good idea for you or them it's just hard work um or you may find that somebody kind of tries to latch on to you because you have the same symptoms as you as them so there's just a lot of stuff in here i'm not i'm not articulating it very well but yeah just being really self-aware about these things. Anyway, back to suicidal ideation. So suicidal ideation is where you, you think about <clears throat> suicide, but you're not actually suicidal. However, suicidal ideation does have a correlation with suicide. So you're more likely to die from suicide if you've had suicidal ideation, but it's not the same. When you're suicidal, you just want to take your life. If suicidal ideation is when you're kind of ruminating on it and thinking about it and how that came out for me, um, warning is that I was making lists of all the different ways you can do it in my head and sometimes on paper as well. So I would make lists of all the different techniques and <clears throat> Then I made a short list of 10 different techniques. And then I chose the three that I could maybe handle. Um, I had, and I had ones that I would definitely do, wouldn't want to do. Um, definitely not. And I kind of was playing these out in my head. Oh, okay. So that, that, that technique, I don't want to do that one. This one would probably be the best one for me. That one requires quite a few steps, but that one would be all right. This kind of thing that is like just so wrong but it felt so just normal to me at the time 
And it wasn't that I wanted to take my own life. It was that I couldn't bear feeling as totally insane as I did. It felt like the hormones surging through my body the and probably the kind of detoxing from drinking for so many years, that combination of things plus the ADHD starting to pop out because it didn't have its own, it doesn't have a place to, it didn't have a place to be pulled, put down into by the booze any longer. And the hormones are all, and the hormones that held it together in a certain way on the every month were now starting to change radically. So it was, uh, it, this is what um, led me to feel so desperate. So, so, so desperate. So yeah, I was making lists, then a short list, then like choosing the one best one and then thinking about the location that I could properly execute that. Um, talking about this now, obviously it's completely wrong. It's, it's a really wrong way to think, but it felt like something just very normal um, and very kind of straightforward. I also read in the paper, again, The Guardian, that uh, a lot of uh, a, a significant, uh, a statistically significant number of women who are in their perimenopause and menopause period um, start to have suicidal ideation. Um, some people don't survive that. And um, I never feel, I never felt like, and I don't feel like I'm not going to survive that. Like, that's not something I feel like I'm not going to survive. Um, so, and it's in a statistically significant uh, measure. I don't have the peer-reviewed study at hand for that, but I think in The Guardian, if you uh, Google, if you search uh, menopause and suicidal ideation, the articles will likely come up. Yeah, so... Mm, that that was that but what really shook me out of that and again this is where it's so important to tell these stories and to offer these stories up to one another is that um I went and had um coffee with a friend and I warned people ahead of time at the time because I knew I was insane so like you know can you handle like how much can you handle can you handle somebody who's completely mad I'm I'm mad at the moment yes yes I can and then just said like, oh, it, it, this is how things are for me at the moment. I'm going through this really hard time. Sobriety's tough. The ADHD's popping off. And I think I'm in the shit hot garbage dump eye of the menostorm and the menopause. And and I told with this friend this suicidal ideation that I was having. And with tears in his eyes, he said, you have to stop those thoughts. Stop those thoughts as they come in. And there's me thinking, and again, this is how mad I was. I'm just telling a kind of lighthearted story without thinking about it. And he said, you have to stop that. I had another friend who was ideating and eventually they died from suicide. And I was like, I'm so sorry. But then the penny dropped to me, he said, the reason you have to stop these thoughts is because if you've already planned it in your head, the gap between thinking I'm going to do it and doing it is shorter it closes. So I don't even allow myself those thoughts anymore. What I'm doing now is reporting something. It's not something that's in my head and I have to stop those ruminating thoughts as they come in. It's a very, very stringent practice. Um, I haven't felt like that for a year, I'd say. Um, but, and now if I ever think about the list and the top three and the one and the location, it's more like, it's more like reporting. It's more like, uh, recalling a memory than it is that I'm actually thinking about it. Uh, psychology is interesting. 
and I'm so forever grateful to that man. He's also been on the Legends podcast, and he just he 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 jolted me out of a fever dream. Basically, he jolted me out of this thing to think, oh wow, number one, yeah. If I'm doing that, if I'm ruminating in that way, I shorten the gap, and I mustn't shorten that gap. That gap must remain wide between thinking about it and executing. Because if you shorten that gap, if the opportunity is there and you know how to do it, that can happen. That that can happen. If you're having a break with reality, which could happen when your hormones are going so wild, if you have a break with reality, then or or if you're if you've taken some drugs that have like you know um, a break with reality is one of their side effects, you're putting yourself in terrific danger. So I'm forever grateful to you, Alex. Thank you so much for that and for 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 jolting me out of my fever dream. So there, that was that. I decided to stop. And P.S. Don't anybody turn this into thoughts become things, have good ones, or some such nonsense. This is a very stringent and rigid practice that I have to engage in to stop myself from going there. It doesn't mean I can talk myself or think myself out of depression on a daily basis because my hormones have been flooding me so, so much. Same for everybody else. Do your best. Just do your best. If you're feeling utterly desperate and you are in cycles of depression and so on, I see you and I'm so sorry. You will also see people posting things online like, if you ever feel suicidal, just call me. I'd rather have you in the world than not in the world. Or my door is always open. Come and have a cup of tea with me or something like that. It's like, how many times? How many times can I show up at your door and say, I feel desperate, right? Because it's not, you don't cure a person. You just make, you just keep them above the waterline every time that happens. How many times? My best guess is not many. Depressed people are annoying. They really are. And, you know, don't take that on unless unless you can take it on. It's it's boring. It's dull. You know, in this world of rampant, rabid individual, individualism, what's it called? Individualism? Individualism. And this rampant kind of rabid um, boundary setting and all all this kind of, um, this person's an energy vampire and what have you, you don't mean it. You might not mean it. You might think you mean it, but you don't. Depressed people are bloody annoying. Believe me, I know. I live with one. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, but, um, and also, uh, you know, I find depressed people annoying as well. Sorry, depressed people. Um, and especially if you don't have the, you can empathize, but if you don't have a lived experience, it's hard to even imagine what it's like to sit and go through your friends list and think, who can I talk to right now and come up with nobody? Oh, that person put out a meme on their thing. Can I talk to them? I don't really know them that well. Do they mean it? What's the risk? What if I do go and talk to them and then they talk to me and it impacts my bit, talk to other people and it impacts my business? Like there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of mental hoops that people jump through before they even get to talking to you about something. You know, there's a lot. Uh, all right, good. So um, that was the worst it got for me was suicidal ideation. I knew something was wrong. I also knew 
once Alex had kind of jolted me out of my fever dream, um, I also knew that I couldn't continue doing my my courses anymore, my programs. I just didn't want to. The year before, it hadn't been quite so bad, and I was able to continue. But this this, this past year, uh, I just knew that I uh, just even the idea of marketing them was a uh, and holding space for people and being the leader and so on. I I just knew that I was I was morphing into something else. That I was going through some kind of sacred transition and a sacred transaction with myself and my husband. And I said to him, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't have the energy. I am so badly burned out, rampantly and wildly burned out. This sobriety is taking me down. Now sobriety is just normal and I feel great. And um, anyway, I started to get things uh, sorted. So I went to get my pap smear from uh, so I'm going to continue on now with let let me think is that is that it for the the mental and emotional thing? Very sensitive, put it that way. And the the worst part was the suicidal ideation. So let me move into the physical side of things. All right. So, uh, yeah, for about the last two years, I've been having wild, wild, wild menstrual cycle unbelievable periods uh, if you're thinking this is tmi jump off right now because it gets worse and the last year in fact it's been going on for about five years about the same amount of time now oh <laughs> newsflash <laughs> so it's been going on about the same amount of time now that i was flooding like i ruined people friends chairs um people's bedding uh, you know our bedding Oh my God, until the point where I was having to, anyway, I'll spare you the details of that because I do find that a bit embarrassing. But in the last year, I was bleeding every two weeks for two weeks. And four of those days, I wasn't able to leave the house. And it basically felt like I was laying uh, a string of sausages every 20 minutes. It was mad. So, I decided to go to the gynecologist earlier in the year, I think probably late spring and just say to her, right, I need to get my pap smear. And also I need to talk to you because this is happening. And she was like, oh yeah, you're 52. It's uh, it's your age. This doesn't sound right. Um, that's too much. I, you know, I described in great detail to her what was happening, these huge clots and, um, so she said, right, let's check you out. And I had an internal examination and they found a fibroid inside my uterus that was like three centimeters across. So a three centimeter fibroid actually does increase the surface area of the womb inside there as well. But it also interferes with what's happening in there, which means that there's way more womb lining. And um, it means you're bleeding for longer. And it means that the womb lining is very um, meaty as well. So usually, you know, it, your uterus is shaped like a kind of uh, like an upside down pear. And um, and then, you know, it's just around there, the womb lining, it thickens, the egg comes down. If it doesn't get fertilized, it sheds. And the estrogen, the progesterone and the uh, other hormones are in this kind of balance and dance. And also, so, of course, it's all that's all out of sync as well. Hence the depression and the madness 
And then also that throws your body out of sync as well. For some people, it just means that it goes down and you stop having periods. And then after one year, it's called the menopause. <laughs> for me, <laughs> I was passing, I don't know, pounds of liver every month. <laughs> I was hemorrhaging. I was basically hemorrhaging. And that's why I describe it as a violent and rupturing experience, because it was like that it was like a battlefield. It was it was a gamble. I couldn't literally couldn't go out by the time I got to her and even then so she put me onto progesterone which was like two weeks on two weeks off I didn't have any impact and also this fibroid had grown a centimeter um by the by the time I went back for my second um examination to check its its progress in the meantime I'm you know savvy enough to be like also all this hemorrhaging that's happening um, I'm a bit worried about my blood levels. I'm a bit worried about my iron levels. So she took blood two days later, said you need to come back in as soon as possible. You're, uh, you have severe anemia and your iron levels are dangerously low. Oh God, you cannot imagine the relief I felt. I was having problems getting upstairs. I was having problems going up anything uphill. I would just be so badly out of breath try doing a, an early morning yoga session or something like that. I was absolutely knackered. I couldn't do anything the rest of the day. And so, you know, again, that can come with a lot of shame. Oh, you know, especially again in this world, it's absolutely obsessed with, you know, you can heal yourself from the inside and, you know, you only have yourself to blame if you're fat, you know, there's just so much, there's so much ableism out there. And finally, I was able to go, oh, it's because I have severe anemia and my iron levels are dangerously low. I think it was like the 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 minimum, the minimum iron level, I had half of that. <laughs> the minimum healthy iron level, I had half. And um, And again, I'm saying this because I want other people to know if you start having symptoms that are off kilter, immediately go and see a doctor. Don't drag it out like I did due to shame or... Um, not wanting to go to the doctors or just feeling a bit like, oh, or not wanting to take drugs because it's not natural. Who who fed us that line? And um, or whatever it is, or, you know, you can heal yourself or there's something wrong with you if you don't, if you can't, you know, do early morning yoga and then be completely focused for the rest of the day or, you know, or you're self-sabotaging or whatever it is. It's like, no, I'd half, half, <laughs> I used all my iron up in the morning. <laughs> Couldn't make any more red blood cells after that to carry the oxygen around my body <laughs> because I was hemorrhaging so badly every month for two weeks. Come on. It's just so basic. So, um, yeah, just it just makes me laugh now that I, you know, you get pulled into these this this ableism. It's so it's it's so upsetting to me. That's not to say there's anything wrong with, you know, lifting weights and doing or going running or doing marathons or swimming or wanting to stay well and healthy and eating nicely and stuff like that. It's just when it tips over into this kind of shaming culture to try and get money out of you, which it has and which none of us are immune to, then it just goes into a really bad place. Coaching can get like that as well, to be honest with you. And that's probably another reason why I've pulled back from running so much coaching and I've pulled back from marketing so much because the menace storm 
first, those three things. And also because in integrity, I have to have a really good look at where A, I'm a, I'm a premium level coach, right? I've been doing this for a long, long time. I'm extremely experienced and I've studied a lot and invested a lot in it. Okay, so there's that. Um, but also it can be very, very ableist and very shaming if you're not careful. So I'm all over this, right? <laughs> I'm all over it. Um, I love coaching though. So I, uh, I have reviewed and when I bounce back from this hysterectomy, I'll be back in action next year. I said, I was going to say, I'm going to bounce back and be fully back in action next year. Nah, there's no going back to how I was before. This will be a completely new way of living a completely artful life with coaching in there as well. A completely immersed and artful and creative life, creating from this unbelievable position that I've been so privileged to be in, where I've, you know, where I'm having this hysterectomy, which is taking me across the line of my fertile years into my infertile years. All right. Mm. Not infertile, non-fertile years. So, yeah, so I was just bleeding so much. And then, so when I went back the second time or third time for my iron, that's right, so I was having my iron transfusions. And in the meantime, uh, I had another one of these absolutely bonkers bleeds and it caught me in Shibuya. And, and I just can't have that because then what can I do? What can I do? If every 20 minutes I'm completely flooding, like I can't even get from one place to the next without a risk, right? So again, I was meeting my friend Alex, who again got to witness me this time in my most disgusting <laughs> face. It, it is disgusting, believe me. It's messy, it's violent, it's rupturing, it's bloody, it's shameful, it's mendoxai, it, it's, it's shameful, it's annoying, it's messy it, it it leaves a literal mess it adds hours onto your day of cleaning and um and all this other stuff of cleaning of wiping things up of washing things of being careful of washing clothes it's just it's a lot right it adds a lot onto your day and also you can't go to work and you can't go out the house because who's got time for that right if i have a one hour train journey to get into tokyo and every 20 minutes i'm flooding what can I do? There's no way around it. Now, this is again, this article that I read, or one of the articles, myriad articles that I read, um, was that a lot of women who have this symptom in their perimenopause um, actually withdraw from work and become consultants and so on, um, or may ask for uh, to withdraw from work a bit more. If you add in the mental symptoms as well, they may kind of get lost in the in in the mix at that point. Um, and I I just want to bring I want to shine a light on that so that you're aware that people of this age who are in your in your surroundings may have this going on for them. They might not. Some people, as I say, some people just sail through. Some people have a certain amount of symptoms, but then there are the other people who have this kind of wild, wild rupturing and violent experience as I have had in my meta storm. And uh, I'm so happy to be telling this story. I've already recorded this, but it was too rambly. So I'm re-recording it now. So those were the physical symptoms and I was getting the iron infusions and eventually I said to my my doctor, you know, this is this is too much. It's too much. 
I think we need to start talking about having a hysterectomy. And she just said yes, straight away. Um, I'd had biopsies, two biopsies on the growing fibroid. Uh, it's benign. Uh, it's not malignant. However, there's a risk there. Um, and uterine cancer is a risk. Fallopian cancer is a risk. Ovarian cancer is a risk. And she just said, and if we remove it, you know, we can remove the fibroid itself, but they can come back. Um, if we remove the whole uterus, then they won't come back and you will have zero risk of having uterine cancer. Great. And I was so surprised because I was expecting to have to negotiate and push back, but it felt, again, I felt so seen. It's like when I had the diagnosis of anemia, I felt so seen, like, oh my God, it's not some moral failing in me that's making me out of breath. It's my lack of red blood cells. Oh my God, this is something I actually do need. So again, please advocate for yourself if you think that you need something and partner with your doctor or your professional to do that. So immediately she referred me on to the big hospital and got me into the consultant and the surgeon, uh, the Obgyne consultant and surgeon who I met the following week. And she put me onto this very, very high level hormone that I take all the time, which completely stopped my bleeds because she was like, no, you can't. That That's unacceptable. And I'm like, again, I feel so seen. You you understand what's happening. And that's I joked with her because I was starting to take photographs of what was coming out of me because I just I couldn't believe it. I could not believe my eyes. And I was like, do you want to see a photograph? And she was like, no, thanks. And I'm like, you sure? <laughs> so we had a good giggle about that. And um, yeah, so uh, then we um, got me onto these hormones, which are very expensive, by the way. Oh, my God. And also got me on to uh, continued on the iron tablets. So I think I had four weeks of IV that got my hemoglobin levels, uh, my iron levels up to uh, not normal, but uh, I think it doubled them. And then they can start to reproduce more. And then I just take these iron tablets every day. Oh my God, the difference is like night and day. So much more energy, so much more focus. I'm sure the hormones are having some kind of impact as well. It's not HRT. Of course, it's not hormone replacement therapy. It is hormones, but it's a gonadotropin hormone, which is just stopping my bleeds altogether. And then today, on the day of release, I'm having my uterus removed, which means that I won't have to take any more of these hormones. And then I suppose in a couple of months, we'll be able to calibrate what, kind of things I need. So just a bit of detail about the kind of hysterectomy that I'm having just out of interest is um, I'll have three incisions uh, along the uh, pants line and they're going through the belly button and inflate up your uh, inflate your stomach and do it through keyhole surgery or camera surgery, robotic surgery. And then the 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 the, the stuff is delivered out of the vagina. And um, I'm also having one of my ovaries removed because there's a teratoma growing on it. I googled a teratoma. Teratomas have teeth and hair. So I've got a little toothy hairy thing on one of my ovaries. And then they leave one of the ovaries in so that it can keep producing hormones so that the symptom, the menopause symptoms are less and will kind of naturally ebb away. I don't know what that's going to mean, but now that I feel so empowered around all of this stuff, and I hope that a little bit of that rubs off on you if you're listening, 
because I feel so empowered around having taken control of my body and that I'm sober and um, I understand my ADHD and so on, this menostorm is like, oh, menostorms give the best clouds afterwards and they force you to think about the the surroundings of you. Hmm, I have to think about that a bit more. But um, yeah, so uh, I'm having one of my ovaries removed and one of them stays in there so that the the menopause symptoms can continue uh, as normal-ish, I guess. And then, yeah, from this empowered position, I will continue to see the doctor. So that's it, the menostorm. I leave 2023 with uh, having just surrendered my womb to the earth and I enter 2024 completely new woman and I do consider this to be a sacred and mystical transition. I'm so happy and so excited to have given myself this gift over the last year and a half or two years of finding out who my my people are who can look after me and hold me and you you must do that too you must find the people who can look after you and who can handle you even at your worst one of my very very best closest friends who just sent me a beautiful care package of stuff including this harry styles magnet she said to me earlier in the year sarah you're insane i can't reason with you was really asking for her advice about something that was i was just being really insane about and she said you're insane if you think about the physical symptoms you've been describing to me then imagine how wild your brain is too if that's much hormone is creating that much hemorrhaging can you imagine how insane you are and she didn't turn her back on me. She stayed with me. And that's what I'm talking about is when people say, talk to me, have a cup of tea, whatever. How many times that person allowed me to go back in over and over and over again. Then there are people who are just there and present for me. So I've got one of my neighbors here. She's just there and present for me. And she listens to me and she just lets me be who I am. And there are many other people who just stay and my best friend Justine as well she she also just allows me to keep downloading probably repeating myself as well and it's I feel so held and lucky and the the and Alex I was talking about as well just such wisdom when and and the people around the table who who you know I I said oh I'm having some surgery. I'm having a hysterectomy. Oh, no. I started by saying to some friends I've known for years. I don't see them very often. Oh, um, yeah. You know, I'm a 52 year old woman. I'm going through some things. So I just throw out an offer. And one of them says, oh, you're getting brain fog. And I was like, well, not so much brain fog. My brain fog hasn't been too bad, actually. My memory is a bit weird. But anyway, my memory was always wild before. Very, very particular. But now it it may be just down to normal people's levels. I'm not sure. And uh, and I said, well, actually, the physical symptoms are just a bit mad, a bit violent, a bit like full on. Uh, and they were like, oh, like flooding. I was like flooding and also kind of like it's like kind of like and my friend went, is it like 
handfuls of chopped liver. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and it's been really bad and I'm having a hysterectomy. And so, you know, it's just that sense of calibrating. Can this, will these people be able to hold my information? And I found from that first guide showing up at the Susie Izzard gig, Donna Burke, thank you very much. Imagine all that stuff being said in the in the voice of the Shinkansen. The next stop will be menopause. HRT is recommended. <laughs> and, um, you know, people who just will stay with you and understand, even if it is, oh, it's just the menopause or it's just the change. It's still that the, the, the way it, it feels is the same. You know, the way it feels is the same. If you're a man, if you could imagine just hemorrhaging from an orifice and just being like, oh, I'll just see how long I can put up with this for. <laughs> it's That's no shade to men. It's just, just in case there are any men listening to this, I highly doubt it. But um, it's pretty amazing. And um, yeah, so today, the day of release, I'm having a hysterectomy. I'm having this from the apex of the menopause, sobriety, and ADHD. I call this the menostorm, and life inside the menostorm is a violent, rupturing experience, but it's also sacred and mystical, and it's taking me into a new phase of my life. It's taking me into sacred eldership. It's taking me into my infertile years. It's taking me into a place where I can reflect and see all those versions of myself that tried so hard and masked so hard and influenced so many people's lives with the magic and the unusualness and the the fierceness that bubbled up from my particular way of being in the world and I also want to record this for my own sake because as I transition from stage to stage I can't really plug into the old feelings and I want to remember them and I want to tell the story about them and I want to address these taboo subjects in a way that artful and creative and it's storytelling and it weaves together a life and it lets other people know about it too it gets it out there and as indulgent as this may seem and it is indulgent and why the hell shouldn't I indulge myself in the same way that anybody else indulges themselves in whatever it is they indulge themselves in please please look after yourselves if you have symptoms that are bugging you we live in a country and a time where we are well covered in our insurance. If you're listening to this in Japan or New Zealand or Australia or UK and most places in Europe, take care of yourself if you're in America. I hope you have good insurance. And if not, then try and lean into whatever you can find online or friends or just try and start these conversations I'd even forgotten that yesterday morning a friend called me who had had a hysterectomy when she was in her early 40s due to having fibroids and similar kind of bleeding symptoms to the ones I've described. She didn't have the same kind of 
psychological symptoms that I experienced. Again, another guide, another elder, another person just showing up and letting me be who I am. And when I say I, I mean you. When I say me, I mean we. These things are held in the systems that we're in. We all hold this stuff in the same way that we hold children, in the same way that we hold old people, in the same way that we are responsible for the people around us and for their care and attention. Somehow that's been lost along the way, but I recognize with great, great um, honoring and gratitude and seriousness and mysticism and magic and connection and communion, the deep, deep need for us to be connected to one another and talk about these things. I know it through the grief circle we run and I know it through the kind of persistent, persevering attention that I have been given by the people who are able who have the resilience, the strength, the wherewithal, the capacity, the the big, the hugeness, the 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 sanctity to be able to open up what Catherine North calls cathedral-like spaces inside them, to open chambers of themselves up, tabernacles, naves, areas to to be able to hold people's fullness the fullness of their humanity and i'm so deeply humbled by those people who've done that for me um and who've gifted me uh thank you also to laura marushima for your lovely um care package that you gave me and for sticking by my side throughout all of this um and for, you know, maintaining the professional end of things, even when I've been rupturing and even when I've been violently, mentally and physically ill. And to all my clients who are just so brilliant. And I really hope that some of this is helpful and useful, even if just as a story or even to just open up the tiniest, tiniest bit of yourself. If you think of the cathedral, if it just helps you pull up another chair, don't have to open up a big chamber-like space inside you. Just a chair, just an extra chair at the back of the church, the back of the cathedral. Just an extra chair. <laughs> Somebody might need to sit with you for a minute. Oh, well. Thank you. This is the menace storm. Expect to hear more about it in the future. I love you. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to these creative musings and stories of reinvention. And if it's Guests Week, big love and gratitude to our guests. Go follow them everywhere. Shout out to Laura Marushima for her podcast management and support. I would love if you would follow and subscribe this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and share with a friend. 
you think would love or benefit from it. You can also find me at Sarah Brewer Creative on Facebook and Instagram and get on my occasional, very occasional newsletter list at sarahbrewer.com. I just love that you're here and I'll catch you the next time on the Legends Podcast. Rise like a phoenix, baby. And don't forget to take other people with you. Bye.